Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message is taken from our Gospel reading from Mark 13 with an emphasis on these words. Jesus says, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Friends, I want to ask you this day, where do you see God in your day-to-day lives? Where do you experience Him? Where do you feel Him moving and working for your good? Now, the most common examples that you might hear in response to this question are usually in things like acts of charity, people showing kindness to one another, perhaps in their children or their grandchildren as they grow and mature, and of course, always, and most importantly, in his church, where the fellowship of believers are active in worship and in lifting each other up. All of these things can be usually summarized in this way. Anywhere that we see good things prosper and evil vanquished, that's where God must be. Correct? Well, if God is perfectly good, then the natural supposition is that he must be where the good, the most good, is being done. However, the season of Advent paints kind of a different picture for us, as the ways in which we expect our God to show himself frequently are turned upside down by the Holy Scriptures. Even today's text, as a prime example, seems somewhat out of place, given that it concerns Jesus' second coming at the very ends of the age, the signs and the wonders which accompany him, the catastrophes which precede him. Far removed from the Christmas cards and the quaint manger scenes, we begin our journey through Advent with Jesus' eschatological teaching to remind us that God is with us for far more than just a festive season. Emmanuel, God with us, shows himself to us in tribulation. Jesus, as you well know from the image of him suffering on the cross, was not above tribulation. Yet we often overlook this particular suffering since it is not something that you or I, thanks be to God, have ever personally experienced. Yet the depths of his tribulation go beyond even Calvary's cross. For in coming to us in our flesh, Jesus didn't simply put on humanity for Good Friday, but for all of our days. Jesus knew intimately and personally the daily struggles which are common to our sinful human condition. The scriptures tell us that the Christ knew what it was to hunger and thirst, to grow weary and faint, and yes, even to bleed and to die. In short, there is absolutely no part of our tribulation which he himself did not experience and endure. And so, when we in the church attach the name Emmanuel to our God, we don't simply mean that he was with us just on Christmas morning or Good Friday. We don't just mean that he is with us wherever we feel his goodness and joy or wherever we can readily see him at work. For God is not some fair-weathered friend who flies off at the first sign of trouble. 
No. Indeed, our God makes himself known to us where and when we see the most trouble. Ours is a God who descends from his throne and comes down to be with us in the midst of our trouble. Christ our Lord says in the 16th chapter of St. John's account of the gospel, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is to say that the Christ entered into tribulation for your sake. He came for the express purpose of suffering for you to overcome all the wages of your sin. God, who is perfect in power, perfect in righteousness, perfect in glory, he does not suffer the same futility as man. For nothing that he does is ever futile. Therefore, God does not grow weary or faint. God does not become hungry or thirsty. And certainly, God cannot and does not die. That's what we would expect. But what does it say about you then, dear Christians, that your God, your perfect God, would enter into an imperfect world to wear your imperfect flesh? The same God who does not grow weary or faint, hungry or tired, suffer or die, he would do all of these things. What does it say when for your sake he occupied this temporal place and he understood what it meant to grow old, to grow ill, to grow tired, to have achy joints, sore feet, headaches, and the common cold. All of these things which we would consider so far away from God's person. He endured them all for you. He also came to be despised and rejected, to be bruised, beaten, and killed for you. All of these things, all of these seemingly futile works and sufferings of man, he took on willingly for your sake. Such is the infinite mercy of Emmanuel that he would gladly and willingly suffer all of this and so much more just to be with you, his creation. So when we come to Mark chapter 13, and when we begin our Advent tide by talking about these world-ending calamities, we do so with the understanding that when we are made to march headlong into suffering and tribulation of all kinds, there too goes Christ Jesus, our Lord. Despite how we in our futility want to read this text, we know that Jesus is not just standing at the finish line of our suffering, cheering us on to limp our way to his salvation. No. Though we hear today that Christ will come again bodily on the last day, this in no way diminishes his real presence with us here on this day. Just consider for a moment the myriad ways that Jesus makes himself known to you now, in this time, in this place. When you are sick, Christ is present in his creation with the gifts of science and medicine to help you and to aid you in your convalescence. When you are isolated, when you feel lonely or disparaging, Christ is present in your family and friends, your brothers and sisters in the church to give you his consolation. When you are homeless and hungry, 
Christ is present in charity and in acts of service to provide for your needs of your body, both through secular and religious organizations. When you are at life's end, at that time when you feel the full weight of your sin and your futility upon you, Christ is ever-present with his means of grace, with the word and sacraments which reveal to you the depths of his love, a love so profound that he would willingly suffer tribulation in order to reconcile you with your God. All of these things, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, show us that ours is not a God who makes himself known by easy or pleasant works. Ours is a God who comes to us bodily, in our suffering, to bear our burdens and to give us his peace. Just as Jesus came once in our flesh to suffer for our sake, so now he comes through his arm, the church, to visit us in our affliction and to give us his gifts. So also will he enter again in the midst of our turmoil on the last day. But on that day it will be different. For he will not enter into tribulation to suffer as a lamb led to slaughter, but he will enter into tribulation as a mighty king, riding to do battle and to end our suffering once and for all. Emmanuel in tribulation shall announce his victory to all the world at his return, a moment so great and so glorious that we cannot help but desire its hastening. For we are eager for our tribulation to be over. However, when we do this, we, when we focus too heavily on the future, on what is to come, it can be very easy to forget the grace of our God in the here and now. The plan and the purpose that he has for us and for all of creation, not just on the last day, but on this day. The season of Advent, whose first Sunday we celebrate today, is a prime example of this. Look at all of the holiday season toys and tinsel that you see paraded before you, and you might be excused for forgetting that Advent is meant to be a quiet and penitential season, a time which is designed to prepare us to receive the Lord in quietness and humility. We get so wrapped up in the celebration of Christmas, the gatherings, the music, the gifts, that we ignore the gifts that God gives to us in his church in this season. We might not think of repentance and quiet as gifts because, frankly, to many people, they might sound uncomfortable or even sort of unappealing. However, think back to what we just meditated on about our God how he shows himself to us, and where he makes his presence known. Not always in the pleasant and the lovely things, not only in the great festive celebration of Christmas, rather our God is with us in the somber reflection, in humble repentance, in the confession of sins and in the pronouncement of his absolution. God comes to us this day in our lowly estate with his good and gracious gifts. And so, this season of Advent, as we anticipate the coming again of our Lord Jesus, and as we ponder our own loneliness, lowliness, and need, 
May we find consolation in his real presence this day. For Emmanuel comes in tribulation, bearing reprieve for the weary and hope for the oppressed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.